Please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. A short and simple message that every child in here can understand, and hopefully it will encourage them to never be afraid if someone calls their religion in question or makes fun of them for their religion. This afternoon at 4.28 Eastern Daylight Time, CNN posted a news article from Lagos, Nigeria, that yesterday the Muslims took to the streets in Kano and slaughtered, these are the words of CNN, and CNN does not stand for Christian News Network. When, when they can get the word Christian out onto a news article, I'm impressed, even if they're talking about them being slaughtered. But several hundred were slaughtered in the streets. There were eyewitnesses' accounts that were on the telephone saying, I can see the bodies burning in the street. Christians versus Muslims. And the article goes on to say that most of those that were slaughtered were Christians. The point being, that was yesterday. October 13th, the year 2001, in our world. We do not know what the future holds, but I hope that you know who holds the future. Amen. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in Hebrews chapter 11. This morning I mentioned to you the great father of the faithful Abraham. He's listed in this chapter, beginning in verse 8. But we want to come to the end of the chapter, where the Apostle Paul is running out of time to list all the great heroes of the faith. And will we be of such character that we can be included in a list like this? That we would be this courageous to stand for the truth of the gospel, even if it were to cost us peace at work, being made fun of by schoolmates, or our lives? Hebrews 11:32 And what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon even Paul had problems with time the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire what we want to look at are the heroes of the faith that quench the violence of fire by their faith. Faith is believing in God and His promises so much so that you'd be willing to lay down your life. And three men were willing to do that, and they're found in Daniel chapter 3. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 3. I know of a couple Daniels in this congregation. And I hope that they are of as strong a faith as Daniel was. But Daniel chapter 3 isn't about Daniel. Daniel chapter 3 is about three of his friends. They quenched the violence of fire. To quench fire is to put it out so that it doesn't have any power or heat. And three men, by their faith in God, quenched the violence of fire. Every child in here can understand this simple sermon tonight. The Bible is God's Word. The Bible has some deep things and it has some shallow things. And the shallow things are as good as the deep things. They're just different. 
and they remind us not to be afraid. It's a pity that some Christians are afraid to thank the Lord for their food in public. Should we ever be afraid to thank the God of heaven for giving us a meal even when we're in a public place? Let it condemn the rest of the restaurant for not being thankful to the God who's given us all the good things that we enjoy in this nation. It used to be a given that you always thank the Lord before a meal. Daniel chapter 3. Remember, some Christians were slaughtered yesterday in this world. Would we be as courageous as these three? Verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. When you've got something 60 cubits high, that's 90 feet, and and six cubits wide, that's nine feet. It's got a height-to-width ratio of 10 to 1. It's what we call an obelisk. But anyway, he sets it up in the province of Babylon in the plain of Dura. He's a great king. We don't know any monarch even close to Nebuchadnezzar, nor can we read about them in modern history. This king had absolute authority, and he's going to set up an image, and he's going to require everyone that's in a position of power to worship it. Verse 2, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, man-made religion. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. When this king called an assembly, they all came. Now notice there was the province of Babylon, but if you go look at the records of the king of Persia in another book in this Bible, it will tell you that those empires were large. There were 127 provinces in Persia which took over this empire. It stretched all the way from India to North Africa. And all those governors, rulers, treasurers, sheriffs, and so forth came together and stood there in the plain of Dura before this 90-foot-tall obelisk. Nebuchadnezzar had not fallen from heaven. There had been no vision for it. He just got the idea that he'd start a new religion. And he calls them all together, and they all came, and they all stood there. And he said, And Herod cried aloud in verse 4, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." There's not a whole lot of due process in Babylon. If you're not going to fall down and worship, then you go into the fiery furnace. Now notice this king. For a whim, he builds a 90-foot image. He commands everyone, you're going to worship it. What I'm trying to point out here is the power that we have never seen. And if you don't fall down and worship it, when I turn the music on, I'm just going to burn you up. 
What power? We've never seen it. And the reason I like to exalt the power, because he had one higher than he. And that's the Lord God that we worship. The Lord loves to raise kings up. You know, why did he raise Pharaoh up? Why, were the, why was the Egyptian empire the most powerful in the world at the time of Moses? So that God could get himself a name. He didn't think that his reputation was great enough in the earth, so he raised up the most powerful monarch there was. This is Exodus chapter 3 and 4 and Romans chapter 9. I raise thee up for this purpose Amen. that I might get a name in the way that I destroyed you. And so it is with Nebuchadnezzar. We know some of the events in Nebuchadnezzar's life, but this is one of them. But notice the absolute power of life and death just for a whim. But if it's a king's whim, it's the order of the king. And so it's to be done unless it violates the law of our king. And our king is above any king on earth. As the apostles would say, we ought to obey God rather than men. Verse 7, Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. When he turned the music on, they all hit the deck and they worshipped the obelisk. Did you see it? They all fell down and worshipped it. Now, does all always mean all in the Bible? Were there three that didn't fall down? Yes. But all others fell down. All of the nations, all of the languages did fall down and worship this golden image. Now, if you choose not to fall down to this world's religion and this world's philosophy, there are those around who hate you. Because Satan motivates them, and there's also personal jealousy that will motivate them to want to disclose your religion to others in order for you to be taken out of their way. And so we have here some competitors and peers of our three heroes who try to get rid of them by telling the king, O king, did you know that there were three that didn't bow down? Let's read about it. Verse 8. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever, showing such respect. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. These Chaldeans were jealous because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were high in the province of Babylon. They had been elevated along with Daniel for their righteous conduct and character and because the Lord was with them. And these Chaldeans wanted to get rid of them. These Chaldeans didn't care about the golden image. 
They wanted to get rid of them. Amen. They didn't care about truth. They wanted to get rid of these three. And that's what's going to happen to you. You will have peers and personal enemies that will use your religion as an excuse to get rid of you. Get used to it. It happened in Daniel 3. It's happened since then. And it will happen in the future. They accused them of being Jews. That automatically told them that they weren't native to the province of Babylon. They were some of these foreign captives we've picked up along the way, O king. But they go on to say that they did not regard the king. There is no evidence that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not regard the king, Nebuchadnezzar. It's just that they would not bow down to his image. That doesn't mean they wouldn't regard him. They wouldn't have been in such a high position of power if they didn't regard the king. Do you remember when diligent inquisition was made about Daniel in Daniel chapter 6? That they could find no evil in him whatsoever except in matters of his God. And there's no reason to think any different than these because they were elevated to this position of power because they were so well. They did so well in serving King Nebuchadnezzar. But notice the slant of these enemies because they wouldn't fall down and worship the golden image. And all of it was out of envy because they were appointed so high in the affairs of the province of Babylon. Verse 13. By the way, do you know what a sackbut is? What's a sackbut? When was the last time you played a sackbut? When was the last time you got a CD of sackbut music? Wow. Very Yes. A sackbut is a bass trumpet with a slide like that of a trombone for altering pitch. How about a psaltery? A stringed instrument played by plucking the strings with the soundboard behind and parallel with the strings. A dulcimer. A stringed instrument played by striking the strings with a hammer. There's those three instruments. We already know, I hope, what a cornet, flute, and harp are, but those three we don't run into very often by those names. But let's look at verse 13. King Nebuchadnezzar has just been told that three men would not bow down at the sound of the music to worship the golden image. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? He's fair enough to ask them the question to find out what they think about his image. Then he's fair enough to give them another chance. But the way he gives them another chance sets himself up for a big fall. Notice what he says in verse 15. King Nebuchadnezzar is still talking to our three heroes. And our three heroes are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is true history. This happened. Everyone else in the whole world is on their face before the image. But these three would not bow down. And they're before this king, and it says that in rage and fury, he commanded them to be brought. Speaking to them in verse 15, Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, 
I'm going to give you a second chance. And if you'll fall down and worship it on this second chance, everything's okay. We'll let bygones be bygones. I'll overlook the fact that I've heard that you didn't bow down the first time. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Oh, you don't say things like that to the God of heaven. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? You children hear that? He was a great king. He could just point at you and they would take you out and put you to death. Throw you into a furnace and burn you up. An incredible king. And here he is thinking, what God can deliver you from me? Because he had run into many nations and defeated those nations even while they were calling upon their gods. And in fact, my brethren, he had defeated the nation of Israel while they hypocritically called upon our God. But our God would no longer hear them. He said their sins and iniquities had stopped up his ears so that he would not hear. So he didn't know he'd never met a God that could humble him. He's about to, but he hadn't yet. He hadn't yet. So he said, what God is there? Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now, this is serious stuff because they, no one has ever got away from King Nebuchadnezzar before. Very serious situation. King on his throne, fiery furnace burning. And the king says, I'm going to give you a second chance, and if you won't bow down, I'm throwing you into the fiery furnace. I don't care that I like you, and I've put you in positions of power. Here is how three heroes answer such a situation. And this should be our character. This is the key to Daniel chapter 3. This is the most precious verse. Will we all be like this? Will the children be like this? When someone makes fun of you, for what you believe when they ask you where you go to church and you have to tell them the comfort in when you pray before a meal when you won't do what they want you to do do you get intimidated do you get scared do you want to go along with them because you don't want to be different or are you brave do you fear God enough that you'll do what is right even if they make fun of you Here's what they said. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Let's understand that word careful in the way that it was used when our King James Bible was written. That word careful means that they were not worried, anxious, or fearful. That word is used in Philippians 4, 6, which we memorized recently, where it says, be careful for nothing. What it means is, don't be worried, anxious, or fearful about anything. And that's what it means here. O king, in this situation that we're in, fiery furnace back here and fiery king up here, we are not worried, anxious, or fearful about the answer we're about to give you. Amen. We are not afraid. We are not worried about our situation. We are not nervous or anxious. O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, 
our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now, this king hadn't been talked to like that before. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. What man has ever escaped a fiery furnace once he's been thrown into it? But our God is able, and he's able to deliver us out of thine hand. If it be so, the first four words, the greatest men in the history of the world have believed in the sovereignty of true and of the true and living God. If it be so, they do not know whether it is God's choice to save them at this time or not. That's why they say, if it be so, our God is able. That means he has the power to save us from your fire and to get us out of your hand. You do not have control over this situation. It is our God. We don't know what he's going to do, but we know he's able to do it. Verse 18. Verse 17 was, if it be so, if God wants to save us, he's able. Verse 18, but if not, if God does not want to save us at this time, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What a testimony. Every one of the young men in here especially, and the women, but the young men, should hear those words and have that, if you are born again by the Spirit of God, excite your soul. This chapter is in here to excite our souls. Would we be as courageous? We have trouble with our bosses, our peers on the job, family members, neighbors. Here was a king in a fiery furnace. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter, O king. If God is able to deliver us, he, it, he will. If he's not, it doesn't really matter because we're not going to bow down and worship your image. What an answer. Are you willing to do that? God is able to deliver us from any situation we could ever be put in by those that would want to take our lives for the gospel's sake. And whether he would deliver us or not doesn't really matter. I hope that we would be faithful to him. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That's verse 18. Verse 19. He had never been spoken to like this before. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had been conciliatory. He asked them, and he offered them a second chance. They took the second chance and politely and respectfully put it back in his face. We are not careful. We are not worried about this answer. We don't care whether our God delivers us or not, although he's able to get us out of your hand, but we're not going to worship your image. He hadn't been dealt with like that. His conciliatory attitude toward these three changed completely, and now he hated them because his position and power was being questioned and threatened in front of his whole assembled leadership. The middle of verse 19. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. More than what it had been engineered for 
and was typically heated, the temperature that it was typically heated to, he demanded that it be heated seven times hotter. He was so angry. And so they had that thing pumped full of air and fuel and trying to fan that thing to get it as hot as they possibly could. Seven times beyond engineered temperature is uh, asking quite a bit. But they're trying to do it. So the thing is just blazing, red hot. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When God works a miracle, it's an, it's an incredible miracle. Right. The furnace is so hot that it burns the most mighty man in his army. The, man's, the man is already suffering pain for his golden image because he's called forth the most mighty men in his army, the most decorated, the mighty men of valor. They're the ones that bind these three up, haul them down to the mouth of the furnace, and throwing them on their way, the furnace is so hot that the fire consumes them. And they lose their lives. And there go his most mighty men. And the three are thrown in there all bound up in all their clothes from top to bottom. Is everyone following? Amen. You following, Austin? Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. He rises up astonished because he looks down there at that furnace and he sees four men in it and they only threw three. And those men were thrown in all bound up, tied up. And they're all loosed and all four of them are walking around. The king is shocked. What is going on in his furnace? Instead of three, there's four. Instead of them being tied up and they're loose and walking around. Instead of the fire burning them, there is no hurt. He sees all of this because he says all of that. There's four instead of three. They're loose instead of bound, and they're not hurt instead of being burned up like his most mighty men were burned up. Verse 26. And he says the fourth one looked different. Verse 25. The fourth one looked different. The fourth looked like some angelic spiritual being. looked like God come down in some form like a man. He calls on the Son of God. We don't go to Daniel 3.25, and we don't let others go there to prove that Jesus Christ had an existence in the Old Testament because this is a pagan king that didn't have the foggiest notion of God or his Son, Jesus Christ. He's going to tell you in three verses what he saw. He didn't see the Son of God. 
He'll tell you in three verses what he saw. Never forget Daniel 3.28 when anyone takes you to Daniel 3.25. But let's go to 3.26. Nebuchadnezzar is astonished. So what does he do? Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace. He gets down there close. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God. Now, now, brethren, this man's had a change. Right. <coughs> ye servants of the Most High God. Amen. He thought his golden image was uh, pretty close to God before, and he had his gods with a little G, but now he's addressing them as worshiping and serving the Most High God because he sees a miracle that's been performed that only God could do. Right. His, his idols couldn't do it. Only God could do it. And so he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. They walked out. What a scene in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, approximately 450 B.C. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men. Do you like this? Is this evangelism at its best? All these leaders from all over the provinces of the empire of Babylon are assembled here, and they're following the king down to the furnace, and they're all gathered around, and three men walk out of the furnace responding to a verbal command. They're not bound. They're not hurt by the fire. They come out. And the prince's governors, verse 27, the prince's governors, captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose body, upon whose bodies, the fire had no power quenched the violence of fire. Fire has power, and it's a destructive power. It's the violence of fire. It had been quenched, as we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. Upon the fire had no power. It had not burned them, nor was an hair of their head singed. You know, when you get near fire, your hair curls up very quickly. Women know that with their curling irons. To heat hair makes it curl. And if you get near a fire, if you get too close to a candle blowing it out, you'll come away with your eyelashes and eyebrows curled for you. I've told you the story about how I used to come home after playing in fire and tell my parents that, no, I hadn't been playing in the fire and I didn't have eyebrows or eyelashes. And I smelled like smoke. Because it gives it away. Fire, will, fire will, will curl up your eyelashes and eyebrows but, or your hair. You get a match near someone's hair and you'll just watch it curl up. Not that The hair of their head was not singed, neither were their coats changed. Nothing had happened to material. It hadn't been scorched or burned, stained or otherwise, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. You couldn't even smell any evidence that they had been in the fiery furnace. And all this took place before all these witnesses. God had purposed to deliver them, hadn't he? They knew that God had two wills, a secret will and a revealed will. 
Do you understand when I say that? Does everyone in here understand what I mean when I say that? Amen. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. That's the secret will of God. We do not know what it is for tomorrow. But the revealed things belong unto us and to our children, that we may do all the words of this law. That's what we are supposed to do actively tomorrow. Now, what will happen to us, what traffic lights you'll hit, what will happen to your car, what will happen in the job tomorrow, all that's in the secret will of God. These three men understood that. If it be so, O king, we do not know the secret will of God. If the secret will of God is to deliver us from your fiery furnace, he is able to do that and to get us out of your hand. If it is not the secret will of God to deliver us from your furnace, we're going to get burned up. But we know what the revealed will of God is for us, and we will not worship your gods nor fall down before your golden image. Does everyone in this church understand that? That is how we have preached the Bible to you for almost 20 years now. There should be no doubt about that subject. The secret will of God was the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would be bruised, that he would have nails driven through his hands and his feet, that he would be pierced in the side, that he would hang there naked and his clothes would be torn, his clothes would be divided by lot among those soldiers at the foot of the cross, that he would be crucified by someone that had eaten bread, that he would be betrayed by someone that had eaten bread with him. And on and on the details go, that was the secret will of God. But the revealed will of God is that men should not kill innocent men. And so the Jews and the Romans were guilty of a horrendous crime in crucifying the Lord of glory. And so the apostles could come along later in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 3 and say, with wicked hands you have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ, but truly you weren't doing anything but what his determinant counsel had determined beforehand to be done. They were guilty, though they fulfilled the secret will of God. Amen. Joseph's brethren violated the revealed will of God in selling their brother as a slave down into Egypt. But the secret will of God was for Joseph to go to Egypt by that very means and to be a source of life for the children of Israel in a few years by preserving them in a famine. And on and on the Bible goes because our great God is God of His secret things. And we see them revealed in time or we see them revealed by Bible prophecy when He tells us some that are going to come to pass before they do. The revealed things are what are contained in the Word of God in the form of commandments of what we are supposed to do. If it be so, is their acknowledgement of the secret will of God versus the revealed will. And they obeyed the revealed will of God and God honored them by His secret will containing their deliverance. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake. Now he had just finished, before he threw them in the fiery furnace, he had said, and whose God God is that that can save you out of my hands? Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his... His what? His angel. Please remember Daniel 3.28. If anyone ever takes you to Daniel 3.25 and tries to tell you that the Son of God existed in the Old Testament, all it was was an angel. 
But poor Nebuchadnezzar hadn't seen angels before. All he saw was something pretty spectacular down there in the fiery furnace. It was different than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because angels have a glory that exceeds the glory of men. He saw an angel. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. I love this. And... He's changed the king's word. What was the king's word? Whose God is that that can deliver you out of my hand? Changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Blessed be that God, Nebuchadnezzar said. Therefore, I make a decree. This is why a benevolent dictator is the best form of government. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a king like Nebuchadnezzar if he has this spirit? Right. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill. Amen. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Amen. What a wonderful change of affairs in how long? How long do you think it took for all this to happen? Just a, few, uh, just a few hours at the most for this to happen and for Nebuchadnezzar to be dem- have demonstrated to him the power of the living and true God. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Looking at it from the front end of Daniel chapter 3, who would have thought that would have been the result. Not only did they escape the fiery furnace with a spectacular deliverance on the part of God, but they were also promoted. They were promoted in the province of Babylon because of their faithfulness. And God used the very king that wanted to burn them in the fiery furnace to promote them. The purpose I wanted to accomplish tonight is that this morning I preached to you that the Bible... Is, can be proven reasonably. We have a reasonable faith, an easy faith to believe that this is God's Word. Are we willing to stand on this Bible in a time where they are bringing more and more pressure to bear on us that the other holy books are equal to this one? Will we be as courageous to stand for the truth as the three men were in Daniel chapter 3? Will our children be as courageous to do what is right, even if someone is making fun of you, as these three were. This wasn't just some little friend down the street making fun of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into a fiery furnace, but it didn't matter to them. They were not going to bow down to a golden image and disobey their God. Let it be true of us that we will not back down, nor will we compromise in any way with man's religion, but that we are going to be faithful to the God of the Bible. And whether he deliver us or whether he does not deliver us, we will lay down our lives for him. May Jesus Christ be praised by this example from his scriptures, that by faith they quenched the violence of fire. Amen.